Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I'm your host, Michael Thayer, with Waterstone Mortgage, and I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. David Lukey from Capital Homes. Good morning, sir. How are you doing, man? I am excellent. Outstanding. And we have Chris Corvo from Midtown Title. Good morning. Hey, you're not, you don't have so much pep as you did last time. I know. I was a little more excited. I'm still happy to be here, happy to be alive, happy you, to be breathing. Did you drink a lot last night? No, I did not <laughs> drink a lot last night. Uh, that was that was uh, the night before last. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Okay. No, I know. I've got to kind of get woke up here a little bit, but I'm glad to be here two weeks in a row. Yeah. Saturday like a world record for me here. <laughs> That's true. Look, look at it this way. Neither of you have to follow Andrew. I know. I was actually sitting there thinking about that. Should I do a do a little uh, woof, woof. yeah, a little wolf wolf here? Uh, <laughs> She's the big dog. We're just like the puppies, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So. You mean you don't have a catchphrase from twenty five years ago you can use? I do not have oh, something okay. about letting the dogs out or something like. What that. you talking about with us? <laughs> yeah, there you go. David's got one. And of course, Mr. JT behind the glass, making it all work for us. How are you, man? I'm good. I need another cup of coffee, though. Uh, don't it's we early. All. Don't we all? Hey, can somebody play "Bad to the Bone" when I'm coming on, Jimmy? Can you make that work for me? Little theme song. Mm. Little George Thorogood. Uh, Come on, dang, 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 dang. That's what I need whenever. Is that how it goes? Actually, no, that, that, that was <laughs> that? that was the doors. Um, that was not even uh, close. No, it wasn't. <laughs> dinner, dinner, dinner. Wow, how that did was I get, terrible. I know. How did I get the doors? You need um, some lessons or something. You're not very playing very good mouth guitar. Hey, I'm there, changing dude. songs because he just ruined my intro. <laughs> Come on, man. What? Uh, I, I, da, 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 da. That's bad to the bone. That's it. That's it. The road, Roadhouse Blues, is that... Uh, I'm terrible with artists yeah, and that's song the doors. names. That's, that's the doors. doors. Yeah, that that's for some odd reason what just came out. I don't know why. Right. Just Roadhouse Blues. How are you doing, Mr. There? There it is. There you go. That's it. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that should be your new uh, your like new uh, song right there. They say Jim Morrison liked to sing the blues when he got drunk. Apparently, it's all he sang. Yeah. <laughs> he did it pretty damn well, though. Yeah. Oh. How am I doing? Yes. Yeah. Saturday morning, still trying to wake up here with you fine fellows. I'm good, man. Man, last Saturday, started my morning here. I ended up working until 9 o'clock at night. We released that section, the Delvin yeah. Downs, and people just, it was just like Saturday. It was just insane. How many did you guys end up selling? Like five or six already? We, ha- we have actually seven pre-sales in that section. Dang. I got 23. I got 16 left to sell. Hey, you've seen it on the Facebook, the websites, and everything else. If you haven't gone out there, actually, if you haven't called David, you better do it quick because we've said many times they're going to be gone. Yeah, all the pricing's out. on CapitalHomeIdeas.com. There you go. And uh, but it's uh, it, it's why we haven't recorded yet. We're supposed to record next week. Record what? The oh, that's a great question, Chris. I'm I'm really confused here. We're supposed <laughs> to record the plat. That's great. You know, we're not recording songs, not Roadhouse Blues or anything like that. But you have the first thing. You have I didn't to want to get buzzed by Jimmy again in there. Jimmy <laughs> Siren. Right. We almost uh, we're treading thin ice there, weren't we? So you can't start doing anything until the plat map gets recorded at, at the right. public can't, records, right? Can't pull permits until uh, we have that recorded, so that everybody knows what it's going to be. And it's locked in stone once you record it down in the city, and that's how it is. And so we're working on that. Usually the thing that you have to do is you have to get together your your bonds. And what that means is the city makes the developer put aside money, either through the bank or individual money, 
put aside to ensure that any development that's on the recorded plat gets completed after the last home is built. So that way, in a subdivision where um, they don't get everything done, which has actually happened, you know, subdivision. That's happened a lot after the recession came through. The city has the responsibility to come back and finish the paving and finish the curbs and finish the sidewalks. And so to make sure that they don't have to pay for it out of taxpayer money, they make the developers put up bonds to do that. See, well, you're in into a lot of that where right after the recession and lots were being closed, that became the big thing for builders to check out were the bonds in place yeah. or were they're done because you can't pull building permits and that the bonds are done. And so some of these subdivisions where the That's developers right. went under, the builders were buying lots and they couldn't pull building permits because right. the infrastructure was not complete and the city wouldn't let, even if it's a single lot, they wouldn't let them pull a permit until somebody had to put the money up to finish that out. And yes. if you remember correctly, Metro had a big ordeal about this where they had let the bonds lapse on a lot of subdivisions where they were so busy blowing and going and doing everything in the heyday that they had no follow-up procedure to make sure the bonds had not expired or the That's or right. the or Let's say if a bond was secured by a bank and the mm-hmm. bank and the, and the developer went bad on the loan with the bank, well, then the loan on the bond went bad in Metro. I don't want to say Metro. I'm picking on them. But, uh, the, well, some of the banks county. went bad. And some of the banks went bad, but the counties, you know, did not have a follow-up procedure to make sure these loans were still in place. Davidson County yeah. was the worst. They but they were the worst at they, it. They, they had somebody in their office that just did not follow up on any of it. And so you got into a bunch of subdivisions where you saw, you know, when the sidewalks aren't done or you see the manhole sticking up yeah. really high. That's because Metro or, or the counties probably forgot to mm-hmm. make sure the bonds were there. And when the developer went bad, they had no money to fix them. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. How long are the bonds typically good for? Uh, well, they usually have to be as good as, as long as you're pulling building permits in the subdivision itself um, to do it. You can't get the um, you can't get your bonds released until Metro is 100 percent. Is that what it is? 100 yes, percent subdivisions, yes. and, and they have to come out and look at. But the I think the question that you're asking, just so you know, Michael, is the bonds are usually good for a year from the bank, and they have to be renewed every year. So the de- so the developer has to pay the bank more fees. Once a year, so the bonds, so the developers are really anxious to get off those bonds. I was about to ask that question right there. Yeah, they really want to get off those bonds, and right now, like, how much would a bond be in a in a section like you're working? I don't, you don't get specific numbers, but I mean, is it five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand? It's usually what the city estimates it will take to finish the work. Now, in the section, I was talking to the developer who's developing Delvin Downs for us. And he said that they're making him bond almost 100% of the cost, even though 90% of it's done. Wow. So he's got a, because they got burned so bad right. in 2009 and 10 and 11, they're making them bond, you know, a million dollars. See, that's another reason you'll see so A million dollars worth of work. And 900,000 of it's done. That's really wild. Yeah, yeah. It's really wild. That's another reason you see subdivisions getting done in sections because of the sure. bond work. They tried to do a, do the infrastructure for a whole subdivision, have to put bonds up for that. I mean, that would Big be money. millions and Big millions money. of mm-hmm. dollars to do that. So they have to get it. I think Metro is 100%. you got to be 100% yes. done with all your lots, the final coating of blacktop on, everything done. Then well, they'll release Well, not the you. lots, but they'll make you put in 100% of the sidewalks, even if there's not a house there. They'll make you put 100% of the curbs back in. 100% of the road has to be done. A house may not be built. Like if it's a 200-lot subdivision, one house may not get done, but the sidewalk better be in front of it. <laughs> Interesting. Definitely something I did not know personally. Yeah. So yep. that's a pretty cool topic. We're going to come back pick up that some more because I've got a few other questions on that because that's, that's intriguing to me. 
But then we're also going to get into where we left off last week's show and going into some, you know, ins and outs, stories, goods, bads, pros, cons, just general conversation that you guys need to know about. Uh, know about. So you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510. This is the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. Before the break, we're talking about some of the development woes and things that go on behind the scenes and all the extra challenges and fees, penalties, costs. And, you know, we started to get into why subdivisions you see, they go, they come up out of the ground in phases. And you might be sitting there going, why in the world are they just doing this one here, that one there, and all this other kind of stuff. But it pretty much comes back to the bonds, the permits, and everything else from yeah. what you guys are saying. It's all money. Yeah. Now, all that information, just so people know, is all public record. Okay. So you can go down if you're thinking about buying a home. Let's say you're thinking about buying a home in Delvin Downs. Okay. And you want to make sure that the development gets done. Okay. You can go down to the courthouse, down, you know, down to the city hall, and find out if we have our bonds and if our bond letter is current because it's all public record. They will show you everything. So it's it's people don't do that because they don't know. Yeah, they don't. They don't know. know. But the, it is set up to protect the consumer. And so in some situations, like over in Summerfield, where it took eight years, five years, whatever, to finish that development off, some people were getting frustrated because they had to dodge the manholes. Mm-hmm. The sidewalk's not complete, but the bonds were there, and they were going to get done. And, uh, you know, I, I did get a phone call from a gentleman one time saying, when are they going to fix my sidewalk? And I was like, well, that really has nothing to do with me. <laughs> and I didn't want to say it because it wasn't my place. Right. But I wanted to say, and it's going to get fixed or the bonds will never get released. So just take a chill pill and right, don't worry right. about it. It's going to get done. Instead, I told them the thing that I needed to say for, to protect myself, which is I don't know if it's going to get done or not. Right. But I know it's going to get done because it has to get done. Yeah. You know, and I have a good relationship with a developer, and so we're actually going to fix the sidewalk for him. And it, I know, I knew, I know all that information, but I don't want to certainly commit to something that's not my problem; it's somebody else's problem. I mean, that's a very deep subject. That a, yeah. there's a lot of yeah. working parts behind the. Well, you don't go in and put the, all the layers of blacktop on right away and put mm-hmm. the curbs and nah. stuff in because that stuff gets tore up by the time the backhoes are in there and yep. the bulldozers and all the trucks. They got big, heavy equipment. It'll yeah. tear up asphalt. Hurry. Yep. And then what David was saying, when the sidewalks go in um, bef- before the house is built on, what do you think is going to happen to that sidewalk when they go to build on that house? They're going to they're destroy it. So Throw it away. if they're putting in that sidewalk in, it's just a waste of money. But if there's one lot left in the subdivision, it's probably advantageous for the developer to put that mm-hmm. to put that in. But people yeah. always wonder, well, why isn't that done or why isn't that done? You know, there's always reasons for that. There may be inspections that are waiting on to get stuff done that you don't see to your eye. There may be a swell or a... Yeah. Now, or, here, here's one thing that people should look at. They don't, but they should go down to the courthouse and find out what's recorded. They talk to a salesperson, and the salesperson says, oh, yes, we're going to have city walks, and we're going to have a pool and a clubhouse and lighting along the street. And if none of that's on the plat, it's not going to happen. It may never happen. It might happen, but it may never happen. If they go out of business or they find themselves short of money, if it's not on the recorded plat, they don't have to do it. I was work. I work in a subdivision where a builder came or a developer went under, and I represent a builder who's buying lots out of there. And before the developer left, he um, got a he he took a loan out on the amenity center. 
Oh, wow. And so this is a community center, because, but because he was a developer and still he had not deeded everything over to the Homeowners Association yet, he took a personal note out on it um, and took all, took all the equity out of it. So when he went under, the association found out that – because people typically pay for that stuff in their dues right. or they pay for it in their lot up front. That stuff just doesn't come for free. Right. The neighborhood, the people who buy each lot, there's money that typically goes and buy pay for that kind of stuff. Capitalization. And so capitalization, and capitalization costs yeah. and stuff like that. And they come to find out that there was like a $300,000 lien on the pool wow. and the amenity center. And so the homeowners were going to the builders who took the lots over going, hey, you, you did this. You got to pay for it. And it became a big mess. And so the de- the new developer and the builders had to come up with a solution that did not handcuff the homeowners as to how they were going to pay the amenity center off to do that. But I mean, but David's right. If you're not checking out the actual plans for the neighborhood and it's not marked on that plat, there's just you still have no way of knowing if that stuff's going to get going to get installed into the subdivision. Yeah. And now if it's on the recorded plat, it's bonded, and it will get done, one way or the other. <laughs> but if it's not on the recorded plat, it will. It doesn't necessarily have to get done. Well, people say, well, why don't you just put a pool in over here? You got an extra lot, or why don't you put a street light, put street lights in? It can't cost you anything to do that. All that stuff costs money. Big money. And you're talking about a plan that's been that's taken years to come together for a subdivision to go in. They just don't get a pen and pencil, pen and paper out and draw it up. I mean, you just can't convert an empty lot Mo- into a swimming pool. Yeah, mo- most municipalities now, if there's going to be a West Haven type community, require them to put in the amenities first. Just flat out. You're putting the amenities in when you do the first section because they don't want to deal with it. The politicians don't want to deal with it later if it's not done. And I've seen subdivisions where the amenity center was going in the second or third phase, and then the the builder or developer go out of business or can't finish the project or get upside down in it. And then the the money the, the the people in the first section have paid a thousand or two thousand dollars towards their you know the working capitalization towards that, and then it's just gone and there's no amenity center there. That's what I would vision seeing happen is the the homeowners they they're moved in they paid their capitalization uh, fees at closing, they're paying their HOA dues and they're like, All right, we're paying for a pool. Where Where's the pool? Where's it at? Well, and that's just it. You run the risk that that's that's what it is now. I've actually got another situation that we're reviewing some declarations on where a developer bought land adjacent to a subdivision. They're going to annex the lots in, um, and they're going to drastically, well, in my opinion, drastically change the it, the the homes are going from about 3,600 square feet to between 16 and 2,400 square wow. feet. So, I mean, that's a huge adjustment in lot size. And also, it said in the restrictions that there's no objection to chain, to annexing property, but the homes have to be consistent. Yeah. So, the argument that we're having is, is, is 3,400 3, square feet consistent with 16 and 1,800 square feet? No. I guess you could argue that. I, I would uh, think you'd lose the argument yeah. in court. But. You know, to do that. So, we're kind of going back and forth. So, that's another thing that, you know, as homeowners, people have to be aware of is being involved in their association. Because if nobody shows up and they have a meeting in, of course, yeah. a developer who wants to annex it in, and then the management company who runs the association mm-hmm. the only two folks that are there. And the management company goes, well, shoot, we're going to add 100 more houses. Why not? Right, right. Yeah. And there's no opposition, then it goes through. But, I mean, I'd have to argue that. 800 square feet less is a drastic price. I mean, how big of a price oh, yeah. difference that's is that? a big difference. Well, um, it's, Even at 100 bucks a foot, right? Yeah, that's yeah it's a, it, it, Just think of it. It's two-thirds of the house. Yeah. It's going to be two-thirds the price. Yeah. You know? So correct me if I'm wrong on this, Chris, but that kind of stuff 
whether or not the bonds are taken care of, whether or not those things recorded, that does not show up on a title search, correct? It does not show up on a title search. Okay. Um, and most people don't even ask to see the covenants. So sometimes they do, yeah. but most people don't really yeah. read it or don't understand it. Okay. So give us a quick feel for what does show up on a title search. And what a lot of people think a title search is only about a property. What yeah. is it really about? Well, when we do a search, a public record search, we actually search more than just a property. Um, we're searching uh, for property taxes. Checking, making sure taxes mm-hmm. were paid. Checking, making sure there's no uh, homeowners association liens. We're also checking buyers and sellers' names to see if they have been sued. If there's any judgments out there, and uh, because if a seller's been sued, and let's say uh, American Express sued sued David, you're selling a house. American Express sued you, and uh, they filed judgment against you. People don't realize that that judgment by our property laws in the state of Tennessee now is attached to your property, just like a mortgage would be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if you're going to sell your house and you own Bank of America, a hundred thousand dollars and we can pick this up when we come back in guess what you're paying off american express before you sell but people just don't understand that that's that if you're the buyer and you've got nothing to do with it it'll still slow your closing down oh yeah because if you have to negotiate that out or try to get that settled yes it takes time for the seller to get all that squared away yeah, but it's always a surprise. I want to pick that up before we come yeah, back we'll, into it. We'll bit. come back from the break and pick back up with there. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 15. Yeah, tongue tied this morning all of a sudden. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. Sitting here right on my microphone and still got it all tongue twisted. It's on the wall too, several times. Yeah, it's all over the place in here, man. <laughs> we were talking about during the break all sorts of cool things that basically we're just going to roll right into it with this uh, segment of just all the things that a title company is researching for you. And again, this is one of those things going back to if you're going to be a for sale by owner, there's so many things that you don't even have a clue. And I say it with all due respect, but you don't have a clue about what can possibly go wrong. And this oh, next yes. segment is going to really kind of talk to that. And if you're thinking about being a for sale by owner, after you hear this segment, you'll probably change your mind. Oh, I think you should. So. Yeah. yeah. It's not worth all the potential headaches and everything else. So. Yeah, we were talking about before the break um, how the seller, if they get sued, that basically is going towards title, and basically now that it applies to the title. No lien laws. It becomes a lien on the property. Judgments. Let's say, you know, we talked earlier about non-payment of homeowners association right. dues. It's okay. You don't pay them. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Take you to homeowners jail? <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't matter. And. Uh, Guess what? You're going to sell that house, and uh, and the homeowners association has sued you. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You cannot do until you square away. You cannot sell that house close. until you square that judgment. So yeah, the homeowners association you hadn't heard you hadn't heard from them in several years. Think everything's hunky dory till you uh-huh. get that ten thousand dollar bill that they've yeah. went out and sued you, and that you have to clear title to the property. You know, to be able to do that. It's it, funny you say that because when <laughs> I sold my home in Georgia. <laughs> Or actually, when I bought my home back in 07, uh, the seller had like, I don't know, like $5,000 in back HOA fees, homeowners association fees that they hadn't paid. And come to find out later, the the uh, guy that sold it to me, uh, he inherited it from his mother and they rented it for like eight years. So apparently, mm-hmm. he didn't pay that the entire time he rented the property. Nice. And what did he have to do before he closed? He had to pay up. He had to pay he up. He had to mm-hmm. settle. Yeah. Was he happy? He was not. Yeah. He, he was like, what is this? And it's like, how do you not know that for eight years? 
still had a closing the other day where it was a vacant lot. The guy inherited it from his mom, too. And unfortunately, a lot of times people just don't. If you inherited property, you may not know everything about it. Fair, yeah. And um, this this little lot had uh, evidently had not mowed their grass on it for a while. And in 05, Metro came and mowed the grass and charged them $400. Mm. The statute says in Metro that if your grass gets over 12 inches, it's considered a nuisance. So at that point in time, they can come out and cut it, and they would they would put a lien against your property for non-payment. Um, the lien's actually good for ten years, and uh, it's collected by the beaut. I mean, it's charged by the beautification department, but collected by the tax collector's office. And so in this case, it actually it was billed and it was cut in 05. It was billed in the 06 tax bill, went delinquent in 07, and then the lien's good for ten years. So here we, it would push out to 2017. So we're about eight months from that date. Wow. So this was a four hundred dollar lien in 05. Wow. How much now? About twenty five hundred dollars is what this lien ended up costing this <laughs> On guy. a ten thousand dollar piece of property. On a ten thousand dollar lot. The guy says, I paid it. Wow. And I said, Okay. What do you have to show me proof that you've paid this? Well, no, I've got bank records. I'm like from 05? <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to call my banker. I'm like, okay, man. They're going to laugh at you, too. Good good, good luck with that, you know. And uh, so, uh, honestly, on that deal, they ended up splitting it with the buyer and the seller because the, the, the guy that owned the house next to this, this lot abutted his. It was a real non-conforming lot, which means you couldn't he couldn't build on it because it was too small. Right. He just wanted to go ahead and add it to his so nobody would scoop it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they decided to split that. But once again, the guy was like, I'm not going to pay it. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't have a closing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now what would have happened had the 2017 deadline appeared, say in March, I think you said, when it would have, you know, they hadn't paid that money back? So at that point in time, the uh, by statute of limitations, if Metro didn't refile the, the judgment, then it would just go away. Okay. But they could refile it. They could refile it and extend it at that point. In time. But but at some point, if they continue not to pay it, then the the fines and the taxes can eat up the property value. Correct? Would the absolutely. city own it at that mm-hmm. point? Oh sure, absolutely. Okay. And then it becomes where you can't sell it. But you know, judgments are the same way. If somebody got sued, we talked about that. Judgments mm-hmm. are good for ten years. So if you got sued today and a judgment was filed against you, an individual judgment, after ten years. The people either have to refile the judgment, the creditor refile, and it's good for another ten, or it just basically by statute is eliminated. Now, Jimmy, you were you were telling another story on that house that you bought, something about trash pickup. Yeah, it was the same house, and, and the, you know the the titles search they found you know the story I just told you about the uh, tr- um, um, homeowners, but they didn't find trash. So my first trash bill, which is sent out quarterly, three months after I moved into the house. Uh, I get it, and it's seven hundred dollars. Wow! <laughs> I'm going. How much is this per month? And why didn't somebody tell me? So come to find out, I, you know, I called the uh, closing attorney, and, which was not me, right, uh, correct? <laughs> and uh, and they t- they took care of it, but uh, but apparently they missed that in the title search. And uh, just like the homeowner uh, who didn't pay the homeowner's fees for seven or eight years, apparently he didn't pay the trash either. But the way the trash worked is the county subbed it out to a trash company. So the county would collect the fee. So if you didn't pay your trash bill, they could put a lien against your property. Yeah. So needless to say, when I rented my property, when I moved back, moved back to Tennessee, uh, I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to cover your trash for you. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't want some renter not paying their bill and my home gets taken away from me. Yeah, it sure. affects you. Well, sure. the title industry is actually the largest um, industry, I mean, largest group of people um, who collect taxes in the United States. Our industry is the largest conglomerate of 
people who collect property collectors. taxes. So you're just something but a tax collector. Uh, <laughs> we just a money people to uh, <laughs> just notice sure the change of verbiage there. You're just a tax collector. <laughs> but see, on Jimmy's deal, he had to go back to the title company, and I don't know if they ever got the money from the seller. Yeah. But um, you but know, the title insurance covered that, correct? I'm going to guess the person probably didn't make a claim on their ins- the title agency yes. didn't make a claim on their insurance because it's like having car insurance. Yeah. You start making claims on your car insurance, right? It go it, it's no different. But but the title company was on the hook. The title company would be on the hook. Now the seller would typically sign affidavits that said there's there's no back taxes, none of this, yeah. and they would have to go back to the seller to see if they would pay. But I mean, you can't sue somebody for for that price, so they probably right. paid it out of they're their broke, pocket. They're broke. But you know, my first step would be to go back to the seller and say, hey, you didn't disclose this to us. You signed this affidavit that said that there was no back taxes. Therefore, you have to be responsible for it. And usually they'll go, well, you missed it. That's your fault. You deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the amount, you either have to make a judgment call or you're going to are you going to lawyer up on them or you're going to yeah. you're going to work with them or try to do some sort of I usually try to get a compromise. If I've made a mistake and it's not detrimental. I'll either ref, you know, I'll try to do something to make it sure. worth their while to say, hey, I screwed up. I'll take part of the blame, but you should have told me as well. Sure, um, you know, within reason. Right. Sure, for that to happen because it is ultimately our job to check that stuff. And if I've missed it, then so be it. But there's also an obligation on, on the sellers and the buyers to disclose everything that they need to know about it. And in our affidavits that people are signing. If they read them, took the time to read them, they would see that ultimately they are responsible for mm-hmm. that. Now, now, what if it's a split closing? Does it get more complicated or less complicated? You know, it depends on who you're working with. You've got good relate. There's good title companies, good title attorneys, and there's bad ones. So, uh, if you've got a good relationship with some of the folks, they will generally help you help you that because usually our documents say pretty much pretty much the same. Yeah. But I know, David, you wanted to add something back in here on this part as well. well now, when we when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about cutting grass. So we were we were talking a lot about the vegetation rules in Davidson County, how you got to keep your grass cut. And so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about cutting grass because I've, I've spent the weekend watching people <laughs> do some pretty entertaining stuff with the grass. And you you felt, watch people cut grass. No, n- I, I noticed he said he didn't cut it himself. I, no. I, no, I don't do that. I don't actually, I do not own a lawnmower. I have 25 years of owning a home. I have never owned a lawnmower. Isn't that hysterical? Uh-huh. I don't know how to mow a grass, but I, I, when I was a kid, I mowed all the grass I needed to mow. I didn't mow anymore. You notice he never answered your question about being a tax collector. Uh, I know. Dodging he's, he's dodging it, man. They they talk about you in that good book, man. We're on the payroll for the trustee. (laughs) That is not the truth. Hey, this is Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. And in this segment, we're going to talk about mowing grass. And I'm not quite sure what Mr. David Lukey has in store for us here, but... Um, well, I was just thinking, we, Chris was talking about the vegetation cut. And so, yeah. if people don't understand, I'll make sure that they do. If you have a piece of property and you let the grass go crazy, then in your 12 neighbor's... 12 inches. Yeah, 12 inches. And your, number, and your neighbor's call, the city will come out and send you a letter, say, mow your grass in a week or we're going to mow it for you. And they usually take a couple of weeks after that. But if you don't mow it, they'll mow it for you and give you the bill. Is it public record who uh, turns you in? No. No. Oh, dang. No. (laughs) See, that could be fun. (laughs) No. But so what happens sometimes is people get that letter that, you know, they let their grass grow 12 inches, 14 inches, two feet, and they go out there and they go, well, if I cut this down to three inches or two inches, then I won't have to mow it so often. 
which is actually 100% true because you will kill your grass. <laughs> it's called scalping your grass. And, you know, so if you miss a week, let's say that you, you know, you're pretty good, you mow your grass every week, you edge and it looks great, and then you go on vacation. Mm-hmm. So you miss a week. So instead of your grass being its normal four inches tall, when you come home, it's six inches tall. Right. So people who keep their grass at three inches, they have their grass now six inches tall, so they'll cut it down to three inches. Mm-hmm. Clump Please. it all up. Oh yeah, 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 and it clumps everything up. It tears the grass out. It it, it creates a thatch problem. It really adds to your insect problem, and it kills your grass. And and so what you want to do is you want to try to only cut a third of the grass above ground, in almost any situation. So if you've let your grass grow to six inches, cut it to four inches, and then come back about three or four days later and cut it down to three inches. Do not cut it all the way down to three inches. Don't cut it in half. And think of it like this: if you if you had a, a I, don't, I don't know if you had a living animal, I don't know what animal to use, a puppy? No, that's a not skunk. Either. A skunk. Yes, you have a skunk. Okay, poor skunk. And you and you, and you cut off one of its arms, it'll oh, probably survive, right? Poor skunk. Yeah, but you're not going to because yeah. he's going to make a mess. Yeah, that's why I was going to go with puppy, Jimmy. But that <laughs> sounds really wrong too, right? But if you cut that sucker in half. It's not going to survive unless it's a worm. And grass is a living thing. And you, you, when you cut it, you're traumatizing the grass. And you, if you over-traumatize that grass, and last Monday, I was uh, actually last week, we could go today. I was watching people cut their grass that had gotten way too tall, and they were cutting it right down to two inches from the <laughs> ground. And I and I said to a few, you might want to raise your wheels up. And they kind of, what are you talking about? And they're like, eh. so Monday, last Monday, I posted. On my Facebook page, Capital Homes Facebook page, an uh, article about don't overcut your grass and how t- how short to cut your grass depending on the type of grass that you have. It's a really great article that I just found on the internet, found it on Google. Pretty easy to find. And it talks specifically about not cutting more than a third of your blade height. And so I and I see this, you know, no matter what kind of grass we put in, if we put sod or whatever, and people don't know how to maintain their yard and they kill their grass. And then they get mad at me and they want to know why I don't warranty the grass that they never watered. And I've actually had this said to me. It cracks me up. Why would I water my grass? It's dead. And I, it's like, why, don't, why do you feed your baby? You know, I mean, so that it doesn't die. I mean, that's the, kind of the point of watering your grass. Well, whatever. You know, you're just kind of like, well, okay. Um, but you got what you have to do is you got to let everything grow, let the weeds grow, let the grass grow, because the grass will eventually choke out the weeds. And if you don't let something grow, then all the topsoil just runs down into the next creek, whichever creek is closest to you, because the sediment control was the biggest issue. I, people will say, there's nothing but rocks in my yard. Well, there wasn't rocks in your yard when you bought the home. There was topsoil and there was grass and there was straw to slow the water down. And you just let your grass die and all the topsoil washed down into the next creek. So I, I don't, it doesn't matter if I put five inches of topsoil. If you don't get the grass to grow right away by watering it, it's going to run into the creek. And then if you let your grass grow real tall and you cut it, it's all going to die. And all your topsoil is going to run down into the creek. Because yeah, all the roots kind of just hold everything together. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. You need the roots. And the thing that people don't understand is the grass, or i.e. the weeds, initially the first couple of years, let the weeds grow. They slow the water down as the water is going through the weeds and the grass so that the water doesn't catch up enough velocity to carry more topsoil down into the creek. So whatever is growing, let it grow, but keep it mowed 
And if you keep it mowed right at three to four inches, eventually the weeds are going to give up because they can't survive at that height. The grass will start to really fill in. And then you can use some weed and feed in the spring, and you can use pre-emergent in the fall and grass seed in the fall and thatch it out and, yep. and aerate it. So anyway, I, if you go, again, you go to Facebook, capitalhomeideas.com. You can get to us on Facebook that way or, or go to Capital Homes, Inc. on Facebook. There's a great article there about don't kill your grass. Don't kill your grass and don't blame me. Especially in Tennessee where the topography can be rolling oh. at times. And, uh, you know, with rock and stuff that's in the ground, and, and uh, you have to have a good foundation for that grass to grow. Yeah. I mean, David, you build tons of new houses. You you see it all the time. People people move, you know, they buy the house and don't water the grass at all. You can tell. Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. out the gate. Oh, yeah. And, of course, he doesn't pay for the water after you buy it. No. No. So. Uh, it's all on you. That's so it's all on you. We do, when we do our customer orientations, I'm very direct with people. I tell them very directly what the warranty is on the plants outside. And the warranty is they're alive right now. (laughs) And if you do not think it's alive right now, say something now and I'll change it tomorrow. But the warranty is they're alive right now because I have no control over whether you ever water your grass. And and it is, you know, every now, not often, but every now and then I'll have a homeowner who wants to tell me about the grass and their tale of woe. And I'm like, well, you know, you never watered it. And they, I watered it. I watered it once a week. Yeah, you know, did you you know you feed your children once a week? I mean, I don't, you watered it once a week. I don't know why you think that's acceptable. You could water something in the desert once a week, and I yeah, mean, yeah. If it's hot, it's yeah. hot. It's evaporating. Oh, the other thing is too, just relative to that, try to water in the early morning. Mm-hmm. If you water at two o'clock on a ninety degree day, you might as well take little magnifying glass and put it over your grass and burn your grass out because that's what water turns into. You know how it is when you're swimming in a clear pool, you get a much worse burn than when you're just laying around because the the water magnifies that UV and Mm -hmm. literally cooks you. And the same is with your grass. If there's water on it and it's a clear, sunny day, it will cook the grass because that sun is just absolutely just magnifying coming through the water that's on the grass. So you want to do it early in the morning or on a cloudy day. And know if it rains, you don't get to take the week off from watering. <laughs> if it rains, you got to water the next day. And, it's bonus. You know, yeah. Oh, you only had, didn't have to water one day. You still got to water the next day. And it really takes a good two or three years to get a good mature lawn to grow even even if you sod. And I'll add one thing to that too, because you think about it when you, even when you just put sod down or you put in new grass seed or you've sowed new grass seeds and it's taken and all that good stuff, the roots are only so deep. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're only talking an inch, two inches down into the dirt. You need to get those roots established way deep down. And, and if you talk to any, I don't know, arborist or landscaping person, whatever, They'll tell you to absolutely just soak things yes. the first couple times, and everything's different. But you soak it to get those roots to just start to deep, to drill deep, deep down into the soil, so that when it does turn into a hot day, then all the the, the moisture they're getting is deep down the ground instead of all of it being evaporated up in the top couple couple inches. So if you go to whatever Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever you go to, when you go to get grass seed, if you have a large area that doesn't have grass. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, several grass seeds, as we all know. Yep. The least expensive grass is called contractor mix. And it's mostly rye, and it's a little bit of fescue. 
And the rye comes up really fast Quick. but doesn't replenish itself the next year. It's a yep. one-year one grass. That's the grass seed to buy if you have a large dead area. If you have areas that you want to fill in or you want to add to your grass seed, then go ahead and spend more money and get the whatever, the fescue, all fescue grass seed. But the rye comes up and keeps the water from eroding your topsoil in an area that's bare. So it's like instant grass almost. Yeah, it comes up that fast. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll build a house and we have about a week. We put the, the blend down, the, the rye comes up really good, and people close and they have this really bright green grass, and then they don't water it, and a week later it's all dead. Yeah. And call me. <laughs> well, today was a little bit of real estate and a little bit of uh, landscaping yeah. and a little bit of title and everything else. So nice mix of everything. Hope it was helpful. Helpful, very helpful. Hey, you guys have been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Check us out online at moneymanmike.net and then Facebook at Money Man Mike Radio. Have a great day. We're out.